we're continuing to see this great God of the Red Sea. And this morning we preached on the world. Tonight we'll preach on God that's not of this world. And the book of Nehemiah has been a blessing as I've been going through it. I hope it has in your heart as well. And this remnant is getting revived, though so many things are against them, so many troubles are in their life. God's bigger than all that, and he's showing himself to them. And so let's pick up again, and we'll start reading again in verse number 9. The Bible says in Nehemiah 9, verse number 9, And didst see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heardest their cry by the Red Sea, and showed us signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, and on all his servants, and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them. So didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. Thou didst divide the sea before them. So that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land and their persecutors. Thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, thou lettest them in the day by a cloudy pillar and in the night by a pillar of fire to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai. And spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments, and true laws, good statutes, and commandments. And madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. And gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and broughtest forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hadst sworn to give them. We'll stop reading there. It ends with a period. But the next verse says, but. But you know, I I don't want to concentrate tonight on the but. I want to concentrate on the God. You know, if you're not careful, you'll look at even your own problems, your own sins, your failures, your weaknesses. And you'll fail to see God. Before he gets into their failure and their need of cleansing and revival and repentance, he wants them to see God because there's nothing like the goodness of God that should lead us to repentance. And so I want to look again at what this passage says about God. We've looked at it some already, and we want to see some more about our great God tonight. Again, look at all the things that he says that this great God has done, verse number 9, he, all these words in an ST, and, and it's just all these action words that have to do with, with God. Verse number 9, where it says, and did see, so he saw. And then the Bible said in verse 9, and heardest their cry, he heard. The Bible said in verse number 10, in the middle of the verse, for thou knewest, he knew. So we talked about how God saw, and he knew, and he heard. And then verse 10, he showed, he showed his signs and wonders. He began to do some things in their midst. Verse number 11, and thou didst divide the sea before them. 
And he continues to talk about God's great work in Israel. Verse number 12. This is where he left off last time. Moreover, thou lettest them. So he saw them. He knew them. He heard their cry. He showed himself. He did all these things and he began to lead them. And then he says this in verse number 13, which we'll pick up with. He said, thou camest down. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai. You know, God didn't have to do that. God could have just told them what He expected of them and gave it through His servant Moses. But God Himself came down to meet with Israel in the wilderness. God, am I reading that right? Thou camest down. God... I believe if you if you believe exactly what he says and how he says it, God came down from the third heaven to come down where they were. What an amazing thought. God fills heaven and earth. But he, as those children of Israel were going through the Red Sea, and, and they crossed over the other side, and they went in the wilderness, God says, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down. It's not that I'm just going to do these things for them. I'm going to bring my presence right where they are. I'm going to come down from heaven. Now, would you watch with me what happens when that occurred? Go back to Exodus, would you? In Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus, so God came down from heaven. We rejoice that, that God would want to be personal with him. You know God wants to be personal with you. He doesn't want things just to be in your head. He, he wants you to experience His presence. He didn't just want the children of Israel to live a certain way. He wanted them to understand and know His very presence. So He came down. He came down. And I tell you, when He came down, it scared Him to death. It scared Him to death. Because God is so holy and God is so mighty And God is so much unlike what we are that His very presence put fear in their hearts. So look at Exodus chapter 19. We'll read about that. And also, would you get with the other hand Hebrews chapter 12? Because he emphasized this back to the Hebrews as well when he writes in the New Testament. Exodus 19 and Hebrews chapter 12. Exodus 19, verse 7, watch the Bible. It says in Exodus 19, 7, And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. So he brought all these words that God told him to tell them. But let's keep reading. Verse number 8, And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. You see what's happening. Moses is the, is the intermediary. He's the mediator. He's the mediator. And so he brings to the people the words of God. And then the people talk to him said, yeah, we'll do that. We'll agree to that. And he goes back to God and he tells God what the people said. You say, well, why couldn't the people just tell God? Because they don't work that way. Because there has to be one that God will listen to. And Moses was that one. And so there's bringing the back and forth, back and forth. Now watch what, and after that, here's what God said, verse number 9. The Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come to thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee. 
and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people of the Lord. God says this to Moses. Moses, you know, this is a good deal. and you're, you're doing good. He said, but I want them to hear me talk to you. <laughs> so that when they hear me talk to you, they will believe you forever. Somebody that God would talk to like a man would talk to his friend face to face. They need to hear me talk to you. Now, let's keep reading verse number 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Well, why we got to wash our clothes? Because he said to. When you meet with God, you need to dress up a little bit. Evidently, you need to wash up. And you need to set everything outside because, I mean, if God's going to come down. Keep reading. And be ready against the third day. Well, that's interesting. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. He said, in three days, I'm coming down. Now tell them, go wash your clothes. Tell them, get ready. Verse number 12, and thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. He said, now I'm going to come down, but don't get too close or they'll die. You know, God's so holy, it would just about incinerate us. It'd be like trying to get in the spaceship and get close as you can to the sun. It just, you would just be incinerated. That's how holy God is. He said, now I'm going to come down, but tell them to stay back a little bit. Verse number 13. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned. God said, when I get on that mount, you see, that mount's going to be holy, and and so you don't need to touch that mount, because you're not holy. There shall not a hand touch it, but shall he shall be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet sounded long, they shall come up to the mount. So they're going to come up to it, but they're not going to go up it. They're going to stand there at the bottom while God comes down in their presence. Verse number 14, and Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. He said, and the people be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. Isn't that interesting? He said, I want you to even put daily home things aside because there's nothing more important than us meeting with God. Mm. Verse 16, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. I'd say that's a pretty good God when he comes down and everything everything starts shaking. That's a big God. And the fire and the smoke. Watch verse 19. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down. I believe that. I believe God came down from heaven to Mount Sinai just like God came down from heaven and walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. With Adam. I believe that. The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount. And Moses went up. And he tells them, 
you better watch them because we, we don't want them to die. And so here's what happens. Chapter 20. What's chapter 20? It's the Ten Commandments, right? And so as our text says, he came down and then he spake. It's one thing for God to come down. It's another thing for him to start talking to you. And so God, verse number 1 of chapter 20, God spake all these words. And they're hearing these words. And when he gets through saying these words, look at verse 18 of chapter 20. Exodus 20, verse 18, the Bible says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed. (laughs) Start backing up. And stood afar off. There's something so great about this God that I, I, I'm, I'm a little terrified of it. Verse number 19. And they said unto Moses, verse 19, Speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. They say, okay, you know, we're so glad God's come down. But you know what, Moses? We like the way it was before. We're scared that you just talk to God and then you come tell us what he said. Because we can't take this. This is too much. Isn't that really a strange way, the way the world looks at God? That's not the God the world looks at. They can't think he's such a buddy or the man upstairs or, you know, the fifth wheel on their life when they need him. The tire they kick, you know, when they, when they have to have something. No, when God came down, they got very afraid. I said turn to Hebrews 12. I'll, I'll read that in you as well. He said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, because I'm glad that God came down because he wanted to show himself personal. But in the Old Testament, it was too much for them. That, that law was too much for them. And so they never really entered into a real personal relationship with God. Because they were afraid. And the law was too strong. And the holiness was too, was too awesome in their sight. And they had to get back. And so this is what the Bible said in Hebrews 12. Verse 18, for ye are not come unto the mouth that might be touched and that burned with fire. <laughs> He's writing in Hebrew, said, so you know what, I, I got, I've got a new story for you. You remember how God came down on that mount? That's not the mount you've come to. You're not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voiced they that heard and treated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the what? the mediator of the new covenant and the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You know what he's saying? He said, yeah, God came down on that mount and he gave you the law, but God came down again. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 13? He said, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. He said in chapter 6 of John and verse number 38, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said in John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down 
down from heaven. He said in verse 62, What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? I'm glad that God wanted to be, have, be a personal God with the children of Israel, but it didn't quite work out when He came down on the mount. But there was another one that came down. God came down from heaven, amen. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul that made God personal with me. And Jesus said, see my hands, touch them. You want to know God? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You want to know what God's about? Listen to my voice. Touch me and see me. Hand me. Hug me. I love you. Because He came down from heaven to be a personal God to you. Not just to give you a bunch of things that you, you, you're going to live by. The law came by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He came down from heaven to be a personal God. He left the third heaven to come down here. Not to put the mountain on on smoke. He was just as holy as the God that came down on Mount Sinai. But he humbled himself and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men so that that God could be personal with you. He came down. You know what? People want to go up. He came down. People want to climb the ladder of success, but he came down. He condescended to men of low estate like we are. And when the Lord came down here, you know, he, he did just what Moses did. You know what he did? He brought the words of God to us. And you know what he does with our words? He takes them to the Father. Isn't that wonderful? Making God very personal with us. He came down and he spake. He he spake everything that people need to hear. Jesus is still speaking everything people need to hear. Now, what did he speak? Go back to our text. The Bible says God came down. That shows, guys, that shows that he cares about you. That shows that he's interested in you. He didn't have to come down, but he did. He didn't have to speak. He could use someone else, but God himself is speaking. The Bible tells us here in Nehemiah chapter 9, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven. The Lord is still speaking things from heaven, and it's it's better things. It's better things than what came out of that Mount Sinai. It's grace, and it's peace, and it's, it's mercy. He said, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven. Now notice what else he did. And gavest them. God came down, and so he came down, he spake, and then he started giving them things. You know, God's the great giver. That word occurs several times in this chapter about what God is giving them. In verse number 13, it says, And gave us them right judgments and true laws. I don't know about you, but I don't have any confidence in the laws of America. I don't have any confidence in the Justice Department. I don't have any confidence in the Supreme Court. I know, I'm, I know that I need to be appreciative of what we have, but there's no confidence in our laws. I, I don't know that they're all true laws. They, they get twisted all the time and serve whatever, you know, this one person will get prosecuted and this other person get go free, you know. There's no, I don't think there's really any justice in America. 
But God gave them true laws. He gave them right judgments. He gave them good statutes and commandments. It was a gift from God. Verse number 14. What else he gave them? And made us known unto them thy holy Sabbath. By the way, when God made known unto Israel the holy Sabbath, that means it wasn't known beforehand. So we understand what the book of Genesis says about the Sabbath day, but you understand Moses wrote that. You know, God didn't know that there was a Sabbath till Moses told them. Made us known unto them thy holy Sabbath. God revealed the Sabbath day to the children of Israel through Moses when he came down and he spake to them. So there was no Sabbath observance from Genesis until Mount Sinai. That was something made known to the children of Israel. By the way, the Sabbath day was given to the children of Israel. It's not given to the children of God. It's not given to the church. It was given to the children of Israel. But it was good for them. I'm sure they appreciated it. He gave them, anybody getting a day off work would appreciate it. Amen. We get more than one day off. Thank God for that. They probably changed that though. He said, made us known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts. He gave them precepts. He gave them statutes and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. But he didn't just give them a book to live by and good laws and good, good rules whereby they should live their life that would make their life all that it should be. He didn't just give them that, which was enough. But verse 15 says, and gave us them bread from heaven for their hunger. God says, I'm going to give you a good book, but I'm going to give you bread too. I'm going to give you something to fill your belly, something that will satisfy you when you get hungry. He said, and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst. He gave them bread. He gave them water to quench their thirst. He gave them something to satisfy them. You know, man still shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know, God's given, given us a good book, and He's given us all that we need to satisfy our soul. He gave them bread from heaven. I mean, it rained down from heaven just like it rained today. Can you imagine the groceries coming down from heaven? They'd have to go to the grocery store. Here it comes down from God. I bet none of those Israelites looked up and said, I wonder where all that's coming from. God must have a big oven up in heaven to feed millions of people every day. Can you? God, I know what it takes to feed you. I know what it costs to feed you. Can you imagine feeding millions of people every day? And God didn't even break a sweat. He didn't go over there and say, now, Gabriel, do we have enough bread? Do you have the ovens fired up? Are you sure it's going to be on time? You think God got nervous about feeding millions of people in the wilderness? He just said, okay, hey. Hey, boys, open heaven, let her fall. That's a long way for bread to fall. I don't know that I can explain that, but I believe it. Amen. Amen. I mean, God sent them bread from heaven. The Bible called it angels' food. Amen. That means people even eat in heaven, glory to God. Angels eat up there. They eat bread. They eat manna. God's got plenty of it. 
Well, God, there's millions of people in that world. That's all right. We got plenty of bread up here. Well, you know, they'll get hungry again and again and again. I mean, you've seen the size of some of them boys down there? Oh, we're going to give them so much bread, they're going to be so full, they won't want any more. And didn't God do that? Gave them, gave them fullness of bread. You know God's got plenty for you. I'd say this. If God can open heaven and rain bread down from heaven for millions of people, He is not dependent upon the U.S. economy to take care of us. Isn't that true? He's, sir, He's not even dependent upon your good job to take care of you. If he needs to, he can just send the bread down from heaven. I mean, isn't that what he did with Elijah? I mean, those ravens are bringing him food. Amen. God is not living. What a big God we have that would provide for our need. Well, preacher, I've got to figure this out and I can't figure You know, that, 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 what, what a blessing that, that many of us have entered into with giving the missions that we've been given by faith. And it doesn't even make sense. You don't take that much of your salary and give it to God. Not in a reasonable sense, you do not. Some of us give more. Some of us have shocked ourselves how, how God's let us give. We look back and say, man, how did I even make it through the year with what I've been giving them a salary to God? I, can't, I don't know how that even works. Because it's not a big deal with God. Amen. He, he, can feed, he can feed out of a widow's pot that she ain't got nothing left but just a little bit. God says, I can take care of you. Can you imagine all those millions of people coming up out of Egypt? Now, if it had been me, you know, organized me. I'm not as organized as some people, but I'm a little bit organized. If I'm coming out of Egypt with two million people, the first thing I'm thinking about, how am I going to feed them? Because I know what happens to people when their belly gets empty. And it is nothing nice. Right? Now, God, we're going to get out there. You know what they didn't do? They didn't come up to Moses and say, Now, Moses, let, let me see the menu plan. Now, Moses, you know we can't leave Egypt unless you, unless you show us how we're going to eat groceries. Does anybody think like me? Now, the stuff that they took from Egypt, that's not going to last very long. There are no Walmarts in the wilderness. There are not even any ovens out in the wilderness. No wonder they begin doubting and say, man, where are we going to eat? How are, we, how, are we, how are we going to be fed? How am I going to feed my babies? And Moses said, just got to trust him. You know, we read those stories and sometimes we don't apply it to our own lives. We think like that is just an, such a, a, a story that's so different and we're so aloof to what happened back there like we have a different God. Here are these millions of people in the wilderness and they don't have any food. And there's no organization and there's no proof. You know what I've learned about God? He didn't have to explain everything to you. And it doesn't always have to make sense to you. He says, I tell you what, I'm I'm just going to give it to them. You know, they didn't even have to pay for that bread. I wonder what manna would cost in the grocery store. I bet, amen, everything else, I bet it'd be high. I guarantee if we had some man in the grocery store and people ate it, they'd say, my, my, I don't think I'll bear it. This is out of this world. 
I've never tasted bread. Can you imagine what bread tastes like that God makes? Can you imagine? Because it tastes like those wafers made with honey. Can you imagine how wonderful it is? I, I bet if that manna came down to heaven, people started eating this. Oh my, let's have a bidding war over this. And God says, no, it's not for sale. I'm just going to give it. And when you wake up tomorrow, I'm not going to charge you anything for it. I'm just going to give it to you again. And matter of fact, for 40 years, I'm going to open up heaven and I'm going to give you manna. Every day. Every day for 40 years, God rained down bread from heaven and he gave it to them freely. And you know what the Bible says? Jesus said, I'm that living bread. He comes to us every day. He wants to give us, he wants to give us his word every day. He wants us to feast on the riches of his grace. His, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He wants to open up the windows of heaven and drop something down in your soul so you will be satisfied, so you won't have to go look anywhere else in this world for fulfillment or provision that God has enough. Every day for 40. He said, I just freely gave it to you. And you think about this, guys. Would you think with me? What did they do when they got out in the wilderness? They complained and whined and sinned against God. Guys, they committed, they committed fornication out there. They made idols out there. They, they, they came up against God's leadership out there. And every day the manna fell down from heaven. Even when they're saying, man, we don't have anything to eat but this manna. God still opened up the windows of heaven and gave it to them again. You know, God's so good, He even gives to you when you're not even thankful for it. God is such a giving God, even if you don't appreciate Him, He still gives to you. He don't, he's not like us. He doesn't hold grudges and turn the water faucet off. Oh, we better thank God we've got a God like that. Amen. That is so merciful and kind and gracious that we don't have to merit His gifts. How many times, if you, if you were God, you would have turned off their manna for a little while at least. I hear what you're saying about me. Because that's the way we live. I heard what you said. God hears what we all say. And He gives, and He gives, and He gives again. He didn't quit giving. He gave them bread for their hunger. Are you hungry for the Lord? Are you receiving what God's trying, that fresh bread that He's giving you? He not only gave them bread from heaven for their hunger, verse 15, He brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst. He gave them water to drink. Of course, the Bible tells us that rock that followed them in Corinthians, He says that rock was Christ. I, I, still, haven't, I still haven't heard any preacher preach on how that rock followed them. I, I'm still waiting on that message. Maybe one of these wild evangelists will preach on that. That rock's following them everywhere they're going. The rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And guys, it's one thing to rain bread from heaven. But if you don't have anything to swallow it down with. You know, God thinks of everything. He doesn't just give them food. He gives them something to drink. There's not enough streams and lakes 
and rivers, amen, for, for million, that many millions of people to get a drink of anything. So it says, here's a rock. I'm just going to let it flow. Just get as much as you want. No, no need to fight and fuss. I'll just let the water just keep coming. The water, there's so much water that come out of that rock of flint. By the way, that's, that's good water when it comes out of the rock. Oh, that's the best water. That good well water that, amen, up Virginia came out of that deep, those deep limestone, all that, uh, those deep stones. Oh, that's good water. That's God's cleansing agent. It tastes so wonderful good. He said so much uh, that came out of that rock, it was standing there. They, amen, they, they had all they wanted to drink. And God has enough for you and he has enough for me. But I want to just think about how good he is to give us that in spite of where our hearts are. You see verse 20? Nehemiah 9, verse 20. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and with, watch this, withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. He didn't withhold it. In other words, it was, like I said just a moment ago, it wasn't something based upon their, their earning it. There was a young lady that called my mother that came out of the young adult conference. And while we were, while I was preaching in uh, Georgia last week, and took mom with me because my brother was over there preaching with me as well. This young lady that had been to the young adult conference had, had called my mother and left a message. And she said, I just want to let you know that, that I've, I've gotten saved. She lived her whole life in church. And this is what she said. She said, I heard that preacher preach during the young adult conference. And I, I understand that all my life, I've been trying to earn the favor of God. And for the first time in my life, I saw that it's just freely given. And she received it. She received it. Boy, I'm glad it's not a merit-based thing. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. But it's not because we deserve it. It's because of how great and good he is. He gave them water. He gave them manna. He gave them a book and these precepts. But I read it just a second ago. Look at verse 20 again. He gave them something else. Thou gavest also thy good spirit. You know, a lot of times we look at the Old Testament, we think it's just, you know... Uh, black and white, and it's just commandments and stones. That verse said he gave them his good spirit. You know the Bible said that Joshua was full of that spirit? You know the Bible says that Moses had so much of the spirit of God on him that God took it off him and put it on a whole bunch of other men? God gave them his spirit. God didn't want some hollow religion. He wanted, uh, uh, he wanted something filled with his spirit. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1 that those Old Testament prophets, the spirit was in them. And the spirit was flowing through their messages. It wasn't just, it just wasn't a, a dead letter. It was a living spirit that was speaking to them. God didn't give them a cold religion. He gave them something that had spirit. He gave them his good spirit. Oh, we ought to be thankful for a good spirit of God that would walk in and fellowship with us and warm our hearts when we definitely hadn't deserved it all week. (laughs) Gave us his good spirit. What else did he give them? Verse 21. 
Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lack nothing. Anybody want to stand up and testify? Tell me something that God's been, that just God's let you down and not. They lack nothing. I tell you, whatever's wrong in my life, not his fault, it's my fault. I'll take full credit for that. Everything in my life, every good thing in my life has been a gift from the hand of the Lord. Isn't he good to you? Isn't he good to you? You lack nothing. They lack nothing, he said. Look at it, verse 21. Their clothes wax not old. My sakes. I think my, I think my daddy found some of them clothes. I think he's got a few in his closet that are 40 years old. I think they're still there. If y'all want them, just let me know. We'll I doubt they'll last another 40 years, though. Can you imagine clothes you put on and you wear them for 40 years and never wear out? I mean, my wife sends some of these shirts to the cleaners and just going, just washing them wears them out. Just wear, everything wears out. Amen. Your body wears out. Your knees wear out. Your elbows wear out. Your eyes wear out. Your hair falls out. Yep. Everything wears out. God says, I tell you what, I'm going to be so good to you belly aching, murmuring, grumbling people. Your clothes are never going to wear out for 40 years. You'll ne- you will never have to go to the grocery store or the, 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 the department store and buy new clothes ever. You won't even, you good ladies won't even have to sew unless you're having babies. And then once you sew some for them, they don't wear out either. How would you like to make clothes that never wear out? That'd be a thing. But they probably grumbled about that. I've been wearing this dress for 40 years. Instead of saying, man, God's been so good to me, I don't even have any holes in this thing. My wife came to me yesterday and she said, she grabbed my shirt and she said, honey, don't you think we can get you another shirt? I mean, we're not that poor. You got holes all over here. I should have said, well, it's in style, but I didn't say this. No, it's wore out. I like wearing things that are wore out sometimes. They fit better. But you know, after a while, you just, you can't go out in public with it. <laughs> they ne- never had a hole. A kid never had to come say, would you put this button on, Mom? It fell off. It broke. Their clothes never wore out. God just gave to them. He gave, listen, He gave them something that would last. Amen. And God still gives what lasts. The water lasted. The manna lasted. The spirit lasted. The clothes lasted. You'd think they'd come out of, out of Egypt, amen, they'd walk through the wilderness, and about, about 20 years they looked and said, you know what I declare, this thing looks just as new as when the day I put it on. Maybe they didn't ever recognize it. Boy, that's, boy what the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate these clothes not wearing out. You know what God did for me? God gave me some clothes that don't ever wear out. Lord said, come here, I'm going to give you a new outfit. 
I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness. I'm going to clothe you with the garments of my salvation. I'm going to put on you the best robe. Come over here. Let me clothe you. And it will never wear out. It doesn't matter how much you grumble or complain. It doesn't even matter if you don't thank me. Your, your clothes, it's never going to wear out because I made it and I clothed you. And so i got to think about that this afternoon. It's almost like Joseph. You remember Joseph? His, his dad loved him so much he gave him that coat of many colors. By the way, that's the first time the word colors are in, in your Bible. The word colors in the Bible. God gave Joseph that coat of many colors. He took that coat, put that coat on. And until the day he died, he wore, that, he, he wore that coat. Or to the day he was sold into Egypt, he wore that coat. You know what his brothers did with that coat? They dipped it in blood and brought it back to their father. I always wondered what happened to that coat. I think God put it on me. I think God put it on you. I think the Lord Jesus Christ, the only beloved of the father, He dipped that righteous life, that holy life. He, it was dipped in blood. He said, okay, I'll let you wear it now. And it'll never wear out. Never wear out. As long as you live, it'll never wear out. Doesn't matter where you go, it'll be on you. Their clothes never wore out. And then he said their feet didn't swell. Praise God. He, did so, he gave them health for their body. You know what? When they got about, amen, when they got about 65 years old, they should have said, well, glory to God. Boy, that feels like a 25-year-old ankle right there. Thank you, Jesus. That's what we ought to do, shouldn't it? Thank you, Lord, for every good benefit that you've given me. Thank you for the health I've got. Their feet didn't swell. How, how many, look, some of you soldiers that have walked miles and hiked miles and miles, if you've walked for 40 stinking years, don't you think there'd be a little swelling in your feet? They walk and walk and walk and walk and sit down there. Their feet just like they were when they, did, when they started walking. It's a gift of God. Amen. A gift of God. I mean, I've, I've sat on airplanes before flying overseas. And when I get back on the other side, I can hardly take my shoes off. My feet swell. They're walking in a wilderness. And God's just keeping them healthy. I wonder how many of them in the wilderness stopped to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that my, my knees still work and my ankles still work and my feet don't swell. You've been so good to us, Lord, in this wilderness. Oh, we're just like they are, though. And it's so long. It's so far. When are we going to be there? How much longer? (laughs) Do we have to go this way? This doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. But God's just giving and giving and giving. The Bible says not only their feet didn't swell, their shoes didn't wax old. Boy, what a miracle. Guys, can you imagine walking 40 years and your shoes never wearing out? Man, man, I can't, I can't wear, I got these shoes right here. I got these shoes right here. I got to buy another pair of, the, I, everything, you know, you don't have to wear them very long. I mean, I mean, I mean, look at that. It's wearing out. Sometimes, I think the last one I had, my son or somebody came and said, you know, you need some more shoes. Last time you knelt down, amen, to pray, there's a big hole right there. It wears out. 
How about a 40-year-old shoe that looks like the brand the day it was made? What a giving God. You know, God's given you let in your life. Amen. Take the other one off. God's given you so much. You've got shoes on your feet tonight. You've got food on the table. You, you had a way of transportation to get here. You've got a family. You're not all alone. You've got a Bible in your hand. You've got people that love you and that pray for you. You live in a free country. God's given you so much. And even when you're not right, He's still giving it to you. Why don't you step back and say, Lord, thank you for being such a great giver. God's given us so much in this church. I'm glad I'm not in here preaching to myself. Amen. I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm glad we got young couples. Have you ever stopped and looked around? See how many young couples we got in this church? Well, glory to God. Thank you for giving them to us, Lord. Look at all these babies coming. Well, praise God. You just give and give and give. And by the way, I got pictures from the Sorry Stinking Steel Company. And they're putting our building on on the truck. Be here Monday, a week from tomorrow. God's been good to us, guys. And we're walking through that wilderness, and He's given, and He's given, and He's given. We are the church in the wilderness. And He's given. And you better realize where that comes from. Those shoes aren't lasting because you're walking good. And that bread's not falling because the weather's right. And that clothes don't, they're not lasting and that water's not coming out by coincidence. Somebody's giving it to you. Church, somebody is giving you the freedom to be here tonight. Somebody's giving you that privilege. Because there's people all around this country that don't have it. Did you read the missionary letter on the back of the bulletin this morning? How would you like terrorists coming in and start killing people? And those, those Christians of Burkina Faso, bless their heart. Missionary said, I didn't think they'd go back to church. They went right back to church. They went right back where they came from and started giving the gospel. And eight people got saved. Who do you think gave you your freedom? Who who do you think is giving you the health to get here? Who do you think is keeping your brain from being so scrambled? Some of our brains are scrambled enough. You know what I really believe? I believe my sanity is a gift from God. I believe I can think straight because God's letting me think straight. I think whatever measure of health I have, it's it's given. It's, It's a gift. Well, I'm a self-made man. You're a fool. He gave you your breath. He sustains our lives. But we better recognize Him. And we better thank Him. I give you this last one. I'm finished. He not only gave to them. He came down to them. He spake to them. But look at verse number 15. 
and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger and broughtest forth water for their thirst and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hadst sworn to give them. He promised some things to them. He said, I promise you that I'm going to bring you into a good land. I promise you. And he performed all of his promises. He gave them a promise. And God's given us plenty of promises. And our future is as bright as the promises of God. Our lives are sustained by the promises of God. Nothing could stop his good promise to to, to these people. Nothing could stop that. Pharaoh and his army couldn't stop the promises of God. Moses' delay and disobedience couldn't stop the promises of God. The doubts of the people and the idolatries of the people and the murmurings of the people and the sins of the people could not stop the promise of God. The giants in the land couldn't stop the promises of God. The multitudes that came against them, the the walls of Canaan could not stop the promises of God. All the promises of God are yea and all the promises of God are true. He didn't have to give them any kind of promise, but He gave them promises. We're standing on those promises Tonight, we have the promise of eternal life that's in Jesus Christ. We have been given the promise of the Holy Ghost. We have the promise of His coming. We have the promise of new heavens and new earth. I got a little book back there. I forgot to bring it out. A little, maybe some of you have seen it. It's called the Bible Promise Book. Anybody ever seen that? It's just filled with the promises of God. Brother Coffin had been in heaven a while. He, he gave that to me when I was in high school. I graduated from high school and he wrote, he wrote that God's given you so many promises and he gave me that book. Man. What a wonderful God. And he keeps his promises. Amen. And you can count on his promises. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you thanked him for his promise? Have you thanked him for his gifts? Do you appreciate the fact that he came down to make himself personal with you? Do you listen to what he's speaking to you about? He came down, he spake, he gave, he promised. That's the God of the Red Sea.